I asked him one time, hey, sold dogs, and he said, well, like you sell any other product, he said, he said, if you got an old bad dog that's not worth much, he said, price him real high. He said, put him out there, that way you can sell a good dog. I said, how's that? And he said, well, you know, a good dog brings back in their halfway back in their 60s, he said, they bring $2,500. And he said, if I get a dog that ain't much, I'll tell him I'd have to put it right in front of the entrance of the pound. And said, they'll say, boy, that's a pretty thing. He said, I know it, but that's my dog. We're going to sell that now. That's not for sale. And they said, I show them some more dogs, but I always wind up right close to this pretty. And uh, Mr. Walker, whose dog is it? He said, it's my dog. I hunt with him. Well, he did. He told the truth. And Drake, he'd say, look, over here's one here for $2,000. Here's one for $1,500. And he'd wind up back over at old pretty boy and said, well, how much would you take for him? He said, no, I don't want to sell him now. He's not for sale. And they said, now, Mr. Walker, everything's for sale. Put a price tag on him. He said, okay, $2,500. And that's the one they'd buy. But look here, here was his back. Here was his guarantee. He said, I want to tell you, that's such a good dog. If you take him home and you don't like him, you bring him back and swap him for any dog in your well. He was the highest dog in there, see? You take him <laughs> home. So you take him home. If you don't suit, you bring him back. You have any dog in your for him. I'll trade you. Well, if you had a $1,500 dog, you give, you give 2500 for it. Where's Fielder? He's gone to the dogs. Welcome, friends, once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Your host, Steve Fielder, here with you one more time. And, man, do we have a great show for you today. You know, this podcasting thing brings some very interesting people into my life and thankfully into yours if you uh, uh, check us out each week here. And uh, today we have a great guest, a rare find, somebody that I am just so happy to bring to the microphone. And, you know, today we want to talk about a guy that you cooners out there, especially those that are a little long in the tooth like I am, will remember so very well from his ads in Full Crime Magazine every month, Cass Walker from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Cass is such an interesting guy and with so many stories that uh, uh, were attached to his uh, interesting life, but I've got a guy right here that I'm going to introduce to you now that knew Cass about as well as anybody in the country, and I'm just not going to uh, keep you on the edge of your seat anymore. We've got Mr. David West from Powell, Tennessee with us. How are you doing today, David? Doing great. Pretty sunshiny day sitting here in my swing. Man, I tell you, living the good life, aren't you? Oh, it's just, I got semi-retired. Of course, I'm into several different businesses, and the music stores, my cousins run it, so I can take time off now and kind of enjoy the things that the good Lord blessed me with. Well, you mentioned the music store now. If I'm correct there, that's called the Ciderville Music Barn? Or yeah. What, yeah. What's the Ciderville Music Store, Davis store. Music Barn. It's a whole bunch of, it's like a little center there, like a little shopping center. 
and and in the building where we have the music uh, is also church on Sunday. Different oh. people rent different parts of it. One of them in one of the buildings is a uh, they make real precision clothes like tailor. It's called the tailor shop, like for suits of clothes for expensive mm-hmm. people and police officers yeah. and stuff like that. Oh. Well, that's really interesting. What yeah. I know in some of the photos that I saw of inside the store, you got a barber chair in there, don't you? Yeah, we used to have a barber shop there, and <laughs> I sold monuments. And I had a one of my logos was uh, "Dead or Alive, We Need Your Business." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! I, I, we've had so many different businesses there down through the years, and it's yeah. just it's just been great. We've had a great life, and. We always had good musicians, some from Grand Ole Opry. We've had the Grand Ole Opry stars there. Chet Atkins, Kitty Wells, Bobby Wright, Johnny Wright, Martha Carson, Bill Carlisle. Uh, Just to mention a few of them. So, I mean, it's just been a big thing down through the years. What a lineup. That's just awesome. And I've been near there. I think the other day when I called trying to chase you down, you're a hard man to catch up with. Yeah, I know. And uh, I talked to Steve. Now, is that your cousin, you say, or nephew? Uh, it's a, Doug, Doug is my cousin. Oh, He's Doug is right your cousin. Okay. Yeah. I talked Steve, to a young Steve man. Steve is the guy that works there. Oh, I see. Okay. And he was telling yeah. me you're not far from that Museum of Appalachia, are you? Yeah, I played one of the shows there Thursday night. We're about uh, 15 minutes away from the Museum of Appalachia. Well, I've been there. I went to a wedding. My first cousin's daughter got married there a few years ago. And yeah. Interesting place. It's a step back in time for sure. Good, good possibility. I played for it because I was staff band for a long time there. Well, it's very possible that you did. That's, that's amazing. Well, David, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I want to kind of, for my listeners that may have may be younger and, and maybe don't know what we're talking about here and all, I want to lay just a little. Uh, a broad uh, a bio of uh, of Cass Walker, and you can certainly add volumes to anything that I I could say. But Mr. Walker uh, probably is best known, especially in your area, for his supermarkets, the Cass Walker oh, yeah. uh, supermarkets, and he was also later the mayor. <clears throat> Of, of the city of Knoxville, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Mayor, mm-hmm. mayor and vice mayor. Yeah, he was a councilman, yeah. I a think. Councilman. He, yeah. was a, he was a great politician and really tried to help the people and help the country and the county and the city and done wonders for Knoxville. Well, you know, anything that I can read and find about him, I, I find that to be true. But he was just such a colorful guy. And now my listeners are going to remember, as I said before, his ads in Full Crime magazine where he yeah. would sell his coon dogs. And uh, yeah. that's, you know, yeah. this market or this audience that we're talking to today, David, are primarily uh, people that enjoy, as Cass did, uh, you know, hunting with hounds, coon hunting with yeah. hounds. Oh yeah. Uh, right. d- but d- just uh, go back and and before we get to the dogs and things like that, and tell us uh, your association with Cass. Well, uh, I owned. A, I was in interest with a a, a art shop at Dunhill Signs, 
we made his scissors and did all of his cartoons on his windows and uh, <clears throat> stuff of that sort. And when I played for Bonnie and Buster, which was another TV show, the one that he named, and he always liked me. And I would go over there and work with some of the bands when they needed help. And then one day, they went, Fred and Fred was two of the comedians on there, and Fred was sitting to, he lived in one of my apartments, and his car tore up. Well, we was on every morning. We brought television on 537. And I would take Fred up there, and when I did, Mr. Walker, he just, he was so funny the way he hired you and fired you. He just walked by and said, get Dave to check his week. I put him on payroll. Well, I didn't say nothing about getting a job because <laughs> you have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be there at 5.30, you know. Yeah. And when when he did, why, I was ashamed not to go ahead and work because anybody hired you thought as much of you as he did. And so I went to work and stayed nine years with Mr. Walker, and then I become his driver. And then I got in partners with him on some things. And not only was we business partners, and I was his employees, the first guy that ever gave me hospitalization. <clears throat> and not only that, he was one of the greatest friends and smartest person I ever met in my life. Well, he was a brilliant businessman. And if mm -hmm. you read this book that I have here in front of me, it was, it's called Cass Walker Stories on His Life and Legend by a fellow named Joshua S. Hodge, and I understand Mr. Hodge has since passed away. But he went yeah. around, uh, obviously, and talked to as many people as he could that knew Cass and had a story uh -huh. to tell. And some of them are just terrific. And, and, and since you mentioned this thing about uh, him just saying give you a check and put you on the payroll, you told me a story the other day that I thought was hilarious about the young man that came on and uh, that uh, wanted to kind of maybe uh, prematurely join in the in the conversation there. Can you remember that story that you told yeah, me? What, what, he just, what was it he did now? No, you oh, said all the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that he he kind of yeah, upset that one. Cass a little bit there. Well, what it was who. Uh, <laughs> Man was standing there, and he had just hired this young boy, like 16-year-old. He just hired him probably for to run groceries all over the town. And he, the boy was real quiet, and he was standing there, and everybody was telling jokes. And when they did, he was going to tell a joke himself. He wanted to fit in, and he said, and he'd just been working with Mr. Walker part of a day. And Mr. Walker was a guy, he liked to know you a little bit before he got close to you. Yeah, and that boy said, "You know, Mr. Walker lies so much. He has to get somebody else called his dogs for him." And boy, <laughs> he took offense. He took offense for that, and fired him right there on the spot. And the poor little boy dropped his head and started to walk out. And one of the musicians said, "Mr. Walker said, what did you do?'" That said, "You broke his heart." Said, said he thought he was joining. He thought he was one of us now, and he was telling a joke and he wanted everybody to laugh. And said, you look at him. He said, he's crying. Mr. Walker said, go get him. He said, son, I want to tell you, I can take a joke good as any man on earth. You're back on payroll. <laughs> <laughs> and he hugged him and fed him and 
had him back in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hired him, fired him, and hired him again all 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, all 15 minutes. You know, he, he, he was a sport, and he was a guy. He was, he reminded me so much of Harry Truman, you know, the buck stops here. Mm. Whatever it was, if he was wrong, he told you real quick, yes, I was wrong. I remember they mm. said, did you ever make a mistake? I thought the Everly Brothers, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so he had the Everly Brothers on the show and he ended up firing them. What's the story on that? Well, and when he hired them, he hired the Everly family. Mama ran a cash register and Daddy worked in a store. And the two boys was just real young. And he hired them to sing country music, country and old mountain music. Yeah. And that's the way they come in and presented itself to the job. Well, every time TV came on, them boys would sing Problems or Wake Up Little Susie. They sang the songs they wrote. Yeah. And and they was far from uh, when you and I was young, Maggie, you know. Yeah. And Mr. Walker Trump said, I don't like him songs you boys sing. That, and that twist you're done says, it's not going to sell groceries. He said, I hired you to sell groceries. And, of course, they would straighten up for a few days, and then they'd go right back to those stuff. They just wanted to try to get to push themselves. And he just come in and fired them. And he never would harm back. But they, was, they told him, said, we've moved here. We have no place to go, no place to live. I said, please hire us back. And he would say, come in here, and he'd give him a big basket of groceries, bananas, and all kinds of stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. when they did, they, I heard one of the Emmett boys say, we knew we weren't going to get a job because Daddy come out carrying a bag of groceries. That's enough to keep us from starving to death. And he said, they had to go back home, and we went to Nashville, and we did like to starve to death. And he said, we just about to give up, and Chet Atkins, I believe was, uh, helped them some, and first thing you know, they got going. And but uh, well, you know. that's uh, that's so interesting to me, uh, David, mm -hmm. because I grew up in Southern West Virginia, and we had a fellow, and I went to church with him. Uh, yeah. That was on a much smaller scale, but he owned, he started some supermarkets in our area called the Carolina Supermarkets, and he got his name because he'd go down to Carolina and get a load of produce and bring it up and sell it on the side of the road. And one yeah. thing led to another, and he built it into some pretty – I think he had about three stores in our area. Yeah. But, but I read an article, I mean a paragraph in this book – that I want to share with my listeners real quick because it uh, it kind of reminds me of my youth growing up because I went through what well, the deal was he gave me my first uh, really job where I had to punch a time clock I yeah. had a paper route before then but uh, you know I had to, I my job was to carry out groceries in the in this supermarket you know and yeah. we had these big green buggies like that had a big uh, container on top and a shelf on the bottom two uh -huh. wheels on the back and man we'd we'd load them up you know when people would come in first of the month and they'd buy a 25 pound bag of flour and a 25 pound bag of sugar and a, maybe a five gallon bucket of lard <laughs> and uh, you know the when the checks oh, came yeah. in on the third of the month, it was it was a big big payday, you know. But oh yeah, in this one story, I'll read it real quick. And uh, it said uh, 
In the uh, well, amen. I I, I want to make sure I got. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, he told the story about him. Uh, they told the story about him sprinkling coffee on the floor, so when people walked in, they'd smell coffee, and they'd go yeah. back and buy a package uh, or a pound of coffee. You know, which was pretty good marketing. They had sawdust on the floor, I guess. Yeah. Do you remember those days at all? Or? Oh yeah, shavings and sawdust both. Yeah. Well, in this story, he said that Mister Walker got upset with his butchers because when the meat came in to sell, they were trimming it. And when they trimmed the meat, often they weren't careful, and they would not only trim the fat, but they'd trim some of the beef on there. And he said, yeah. what are you doing with this? And they said, we're throwing it out. He said, no, 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 no. He said, so he had a package, had them to package it in two-pound packages and called it family pack. And he sold yeah. it for a pretty good price, and people would buy it because it was cheap. But at least he got money for it instead of having the butcher throw it oh, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, now that reminds me, though, so much, and I'm going to quit talking because I want to hear your your stories. But anyway, this guy that I worked for, his name was uh -huh. his first name was Posey, and he yeah. would have us when we got a, a boxcar load of flour in, if some of it got wet or whatever, and the bags were kind of, he'd have us open up those uh, wet bags and there'd be good flour down in the middle and we'd pour it up in brown bags and mark it, you know, uh, bursted bags and he'd put a price on it and put it on the shelf and sell it. So those, the, mm -hmm. the point being, those guys knew how to make a dollar when it was hard to make a dollar. Oh, he could make it work. So he would, uh, he, he would buy peanuts and he would get real cheap drinks. He wouldn't get Coca-Cola and Pepsi and stuff. He'd buy uh, cheap drinks out of Kentucky, and he'd get a little cheap cherry drink. They call it. It was a cherry drink and a strawberry, and uh, so he told. Uh, he named them Strawberry Fizz. See, they mm -hmm. just sold them to him. This strawberry drink. He called it Strawberry Fizz, and he put put it in that big cooler and put a lot of ice around it. And he'd sell a lot bunch of peanuts, salted peanuts, and they had to buy them old drinks. And they, he'd, buy, <laughs> he'd buy them for a little nothing, and he would sell those. And then he would throw chickens off the roof. And if you could catch one in a, your apron, you could keep it. And then what he would do, he said <laughs> during the Depression, he couldn't get no, uh, you couldn't hardly get meat. Yeah. If you could, the little stores couldn't afford it. So he went to the big meat company and told them, he said, if you go in there and stock my meat counter full of meat, I'll put your key, I'll put a mark on one of my cash register keys that all of the meat sales, you get every bit of it. I don't make no profit on it. You sell it retail. <laughs> he said, you all will make all the money. He said, but you just keep me stocked in meat. And he said, I draw rich people all over the country. Boy, that Cass Walker got a meat market like nobody ain't got. But he didn't make <laughs> nothing off the meat. But boy, he got that crowd in there and he sold them them old salty peanuts and that cherry smash and all that stuff. <laughs> and he said he had to do something to draw them in, see? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why he got some of his crowd in. And one day, he wanted to buy the front page of the paper. And he's going to make a big Cas Walker day out of it. And they told him, said, we don't sell the front page to nobody. 
He said, I'll give you three times what you're getting out of it. And I said, no, you can't buy the front. We don't care who you are. So he decided he'd just get it anyhow. And he went out and bought no cheap $10 wagon, no farm wagon. Parked it right in front of his store, filled it full of old loose hay, called the fire department, called the newspaper, called TV, called everybody, and then lit it. When he heard the sirens come, he lit it. And there it was the next, page, next day on the front page. <laughs> Big fire at Cass Walker Supermarket. He had the whole supermarket on there and all of it. That wagon was on fire. That's amazing. Well, when you tell so us. He, he, took it yeah. for, he took it for nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great story. You, you couldn't beat you couldn't beat him on anything. He was so smart, so so quick. Well, this bit is throwing the chickens off the roof. I think the TV show WKRP Cincinnati may have picked got their idea from Cass. I don't know if you ever saw yeah. that show, but one of their most popular episodes were where they were dropping uh, turkeys out of a helicopter. Yeah, and, yeah, and the guy, Mr. Carlson, the owner of the station, said, "I, I, I swear, I thought turkeys could fly, <laughs> and they were dropping like bombs, you know, all around the anyway." Well, well he was, uh, he he did a lot of stuff like that. So Bill Carlisle from the Grand Opry was going to come up and help us with a big promotion, and he said, "Jump on Bill we'll Carlisle, huh?" Yeah, yeah, Jim and Bill. I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I picked some for him. Me and him was big buddies. All right. And uh, I'd go down and see him at the Grand Opry. But anyhow, uh, Mr. Walker, I said, let's throw some chickens off the roof. He said, no, let's do turkeys. Well, I knew if you throw turkeys out there nowadays, you'd start, knock somebody's glasses off or they'll scratch you or something, something happened, you know. Yeah. So I went and got froze turkeys, and then I went some and got about two dozen of those fold out paper turkeys and they had a highly I got one of those big lifts and put Miss Walker in a chair raised him up to the top of the roof and I let him throw <laughs> paper turkeys off and it said you've won a turkey or you've won a gallon of cider or you won some guitar strings or you won this that and the other every turkey had a gift on it uh-huh. and, and uh, they, some man turned me into Humane Society said he didn't go along with us uh, throwing them turkeys off. They're going to be jerking their feathers out and hurting them. And he said, I said, well, what do you mean for Thanksgiving? He said, turkey. I said, somebody had to kill it, didn't they? I think put his neck on and the And he said, well, maybe. He said, I don't want you to do as I do. Do as I say do. He said, I won't eat turkey, but I'm, I'll let somebody else do my dirty work for me. And I said, so they called me from Humane Society and said, we're getting complaints on you letting Cass Walker throw turkeys off the roof. That's cruelty to animals. I said, I think you're right. I said, because because I went to one of the chain stores and got a dozen turkeys or two dozen turkeys. And I said, when I got them home, I looked at them. Somebody had frozen, cut their legs off from them, took their insides out, took their heads off, took their feathers off. And though they was frozen in these plastic bags, I said, I thought that might be cruelty to them. And then I said, what are you going to do with these? And they said, you put them in the oven, bake them to, to 350 degrees, and then you take them out, put some dressing in them, and then you eat them. And I said, well, where do they wind up? In the chicken cup? No, he said, in the septic tank. And I told that woman that. Oh, she just started laughing. She said, well, 
I had to make his calls. That's part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I see how you got along so well with Mr. Walker. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 make up my, I make up my own stories. Okay. You know? Real quick, let's tell our listeners, how old are you, Mr. West? Um, I just turned 81 April the 30th. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, yeah. I wonder, there, there's two ways I want to go here, but I don't want to leave any chicken on the bone since we're talking about chickens. Uh, Dolly Parton, tell me a story. Well, Dolly Dolly worked with him, and she started out as a little girl. And uh, back then, Mr. Walker put up greasy poles. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever heard of greasy oh, pole yeah. concert? For the kids okay. to climb, right? Climb, well, yeah. yeah. And he had me to do it on some shows. And we we skin him poles, and then he wouldn't put grease on them. He'd go get cheap lard and put on them. Lard was mm-hmm. slicker than cheap grease. He'd <laughs> <laughs> get him out there and send So Dolly, <laughs> Mr. Walker said, Dolly come in as a little kid, and she, everybody was trying to climb that pole. Said she's a little tomboy back in, and so she went after her. She tried to climb that pole about three times, and then she went over at that bucket of grease. And rubbed it all over her front part, all over her bib overhaul. Said she's wearing little bibs. Said she dressed like a little boy. Said she put grease all over her overhauls. And then she went out there and laid in the sand and got sand all over. <laughs> and she went up there and climbed that pole. He said, I know right then we had, we had dynamite on our hands. <laughs> Absolutely. And she hasn't looked back, has she? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not and, that far, you know, from Dollywood and all that thing that she's oh, done there yeah. in Sevierville in, or uh, Pigeon Forge in that area. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Port, tell me a Porter Wagner story. Uh, Porter, I didn't ever know very, very well, but, uh, okay. you know, he, uh, he he had out some really good, good songs back then. Yeah. But I think that when it started out, Porter probably thought that, you know, he was an asset to, Do- to Dolly. He helped her. Of course, Mr. Walker took her, I think, dinner, and a lot of other people helped her. But when she got with Porter, at start with, he was helping her. And then just a few, a short time later, mm-hmm. she was helping him, yeah, see? for sure. And, and I don't think he could live with it very good. And, oh, okay. you know, Mr. Mr. Walker told me a lot of uh, stories about it, how see, he needed her way more than she needed him. I see. And it finally, it's just where it goes sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes the student gets ahead of the teacher. Well, you know, I grew up, as I said, in West Virginia. I was born in 1946, so I'm not that much younger than you, Mr. West. But we always had, from the time we got a TV, and I was about 12 years old when we got the first one. And uh, we always, my parents, my dad was from Dixon County, Tennessee, grew up playing a fiddle. Uh, Arthur Smith that used to play on the Grand Ole Opry was Oh, there. yeah, some of his, his pickers used to pick with us on the Bonnie and Butch show, uh, Tommy Vale and okay, and, and different ones of his musicians. Well, my dad tells us. Carl Hunt, the banjo picker, oh, me and okay. him good buddies. Yeah. yeah. Well, my dad tells a story about one of the shows there in Dixon after, after uh, uh, you know, he became a, a – a popular uh, Grand Ole Opry star and so forth. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, he took a break, you know, and they said, uh, somebody else play there while, uh, you know, he's taking a break. And uh, and uh, somebody said, my dad's name was Holman 
Fielder. It's funny. My grandmother mm-hmm. got that name. I don't know. My listeners know that we've talked about that before. But anyway, he said, well, let Holman can play. And so he got that. He, he described it as that old yellow fiddle. And he said he played there a set or two, you know, while Arthur was yeah. uh, taking a break. But but what I, the point I wanted to make was that uh, – you know, my I grew up with that music. I grew up with those shows. You talk about Bonnie Lou and Buster. I've watched them many, oh, yeah. many times, and Bonnie would always say, "Okay, okay, okay." Yeah, <laughs> they were good Christian people, really good people. Oh, that's great to know. And then when I listened to Porter, and then when Dolly was on his show, they would uh, they'd say they're flower towels. You can't buy yeah. them. They're in boxes of breeze. <laughs> yeah. They put a towel in the boxes of soap. I just often wondered how much soap did you get if it was stuffed full yeah. of a towel. But, but well, I grew know, up on that stuff, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I did too. You knew uh, Arthur Smith, so he wrote doing banjos. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a him, now that's, him and, uh, him and yeah. Don Reno first played it. They played it with two banjos. Arthur played tenor and Don played, played five. I worked with him on Opry some uh, with package deals. But uh, they called up to uh, up to Cass Walker show to find out who wrote it. And Red Retro told him he thought he would, thought that it was Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith. And he said that on top of that, said they didn't call it Dueling Banjos. They called it Futin Banjos because uh-huh. it's two banjos. I yeah. see. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I want to explore, and again, we we I want to talk about Cass as much as possible here, but now these show, this farm, uh, home and farm hour, or farm and home hours. Home shows, yeah, farm and home show. hour, yeah. Okay. I remember going to, to our, my aunt's home in Oak Ridge on the way down to Dixon on vacation. Yeah, And yeah. seeing Cass on TV in the morning. And he'd be, sometimes he'd bring a couple of coons that he'd caught the night before and throw yeah. them down on the floor. What? But now you were in the band that played for that show yeah. every day, weren't you? Yeah. You played banjo, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, what years was that? Oh, my. 70s, 80s? Uh, it could have been in the, well, really for me, that was probably more in my high school days, sixties, probably through maybe 68, up yeah. sixty nine or yeah, somewhere. Yeah, through yeah, see, I was with him two times. I was with Bonnie Lou and Buster and him both at one time. I in see. the sixties, I went with Bonnie and Buster. I was with them both both shows for a while, and then I, I went off and quit. And uh, we went on the road so much, and then I got with a political party and. When I did, then I went back with Mr. Walker and stayed the last nine years at his own. I see. Well, that's that's great. And uh, I, there was a story there uh, that I thought was really interesting uh, in the book talking about uh, you you and him going to church. Oh, yeah. And about yeah. Uh, the guy said that, uh, that uh, the Lord had been good to Cass. Do you remember yeah. that story? Yeah, I do. I do. We, we would go to church. You know, I never did know him to go to church with anybody but me. But we would go to church, and uh, so he'd say, uh, they'd always put us on the front row, and we'd get on the front row using the set. And, and Mr. Walker never did whisper. He'd talk loud, you know what I mean? He'd, rawr, 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 you know, he started. <laughs> and, and they said, we've got uh, David West and Cass Walker with us tonight. I said, 
would you like to say something, Mr. Walker? He said, I believe I would. And he got up walking to the stage because he, he didn't want to get up. He wanted people to hear him. He wanted to get to the microphone. Yeah. And he went up and he got up on the microphone while he was headed up to the microphone. Uh, this guy, said, preacher, said, well, here comes a fellow the Lord's been good to. And Mr. Walker walked up and said, yeah, and I want you people to know I've been good to the Lord, too. <laughs> and so the next day we were driving that whole life, the whole church life. And next day he explained it to me. And it was Bible, you know. He said, he said that, well, they lied, but said, you know, the Bible said, draw nigh to, draw nigh to me and then I'll draw nigh to you. He said, if you ain't good to the Lord, don't expect him to be good to you. Mm, that's good. And I that's was, uh, I, I did a, a some kind of a speech at a church one night. And this guy called me from Alabama, wanting a Martin guitar. And he said, hello. I said, you David West? I said, yeah. He said, I want to tell you something before I order a guitar. But he said, if you'll be good to the Lord, the Lord will be good to you. I said, well, where did you hear that at? He said, you you close a, a sermon out at church one time in Luttrell, Tennessee, and said, you got up and told the story about Mr. Walker, and you told that, and said, that's stuck with me ever since. So it's so good, you know. <laughs> well, it is a great story. and, and uh, well, I, hey, We went to another church. You got to hear this one. Oh, yeah. We went, we went to another church, and they had some, uh, you remember Sherry and Jeff, Jeff and Sherry Easterly, the you know the bluegrass Easter, people. Yeah, yeah, the bluegrass. People, yeah, yep. yeah, they're on uh, they're on uh, Bill Gay for a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, they were on that show at night, and uh, the Joyful Sound. There's about five groups. Joyful Sounds was real hot down here at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, they were good. And well, we got up there, and when we did, why? You drink water. Yes, sir. When we did, when we did, uh, of course, as usual, they put me and Mr. Walker right on the front row. Well, the joyful sounds got up. I mean, uh, Sherry and Jeff got up. They put them on first because they were big stars. Both of them were stars, I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. Even joyful sounds were big stars too at that time. But they put the Easterlies on first. They were so good. And Mr. Walker, you can hear him all over the church because you hear a pin drop. I'll tell you right now, that's a good group. Them people sure <laughs> can sing. Ain't they good? And everybody was looking at him because you hear a pin drop in there, you know. Yeah. And they come off, and then, see, he didn't know none of them. The Joyful Sounds went on, and when they went on, they were good, too. And he, he hollered out real loud and said, you know, I believe this group is better than that other group. <laughs> <laughs> right out real loud. Everybody started to life and they couldn't. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's he funny. Told, he, told you, he told you what he thought, though. I'm sure. He, you know, he said, I'm, he said, I'm one of the mixed upest guys that you've ever met. said, I'm a Republican. My wife's a Democrat. I'm a, I believe he's a Methodist and she's a Presbyterian. <laughs> and he says, uh, they say, well, how do y'all get along good? Because I love her. Saying for everything. Yes, and I what, read. What, oh, go ahead. I please go what ahead. He, what he doing? I, since we're talking about coon dogs. Yes. He had he had a rambler car. He traveled in. He had a big old dog box built. Took a trunk lid off and put this big dog box in the back. And he'd go somewhere. Him and he'd take his wife. She'd go with him. 
and she didn't want to ride in that old stinking car, so I just keep riding to smell them old dogs. <laughs> so he found him some pills somewhere that if you give him dogs, uh, these pills before you put them in your car and haul them, while they it hit the odor would be real sweet, sound smelt more like honeysuckles. And him and her was going down the road, and she said, "Whoa!" Said, "Boy, it smells pretty good. What is that?" He said, "Well, it's them honeysuckles over. See, they're blowing right now." Oh, she said, "This is so good this time of year, and it's them dogs just found." <laughs> and then he bought a dog one time, put it in the car with us, and it was real cold weather, and. He said, I know you boys, there's five of us in an Opal station wagon with a dog. A dog now, a big old dog, coon dog, one of them great biggins. See, he invented the walker dog. He crossed two dogs and made a walker dog. And when you see those signs, that's his, that's his breed of dog. And he brought oh, a walker dog. He brought a walker dog and put in a car with us. And we was going down the road, and it's cold. And I said, man, it's cold out there. And Fred Smith said, yeah, David. said, if he gets too, he said, I was a froze to death. And then for them dogs, said, I got snowbound and the car got stuck. He said, I had five dogs. And so I got in the back of that station wagon and crawled under them dogs and said, they kept me warm. So they saved my life, kept me from freezing to death. And Fred said, well, Davis, if it gets too cold, just throw on another dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, there's a story about that rock and roll band, Three Dog Night, and that was like apparently the Eskimos did that too. So maybe Cass Walker was ahead of his time there with that. I think he was. He did them dogs, wasn't he? Do you remember any other thing related to the coon hunting? And I know that he went down to Georgia usually to go coon hunting. Yeah. Well, he owned three kindles. He had one down yonder at, at Third Creek. And he had one at his house in Woodbury. Uh, okay. Woodbury, he had three. I think he owned Woodbury at one time. He had three. I know he had three Kindles at one time. Yeah. And they would they would tell me that people would say, "Oh, I'd say something about Cash Walker." And you know, oh yeah, yeah. I work for the airlines. I know him. He put some old dogs on there. Said he put them on a plane, put them in a cheap old crate. That, he said they'd eat out of them, and there they was running wild back around the back of the plane. And said. <laughs> They'd bite you if you went back or they didn't like nobody but him and said, oh, they're telling stories about, you know. I see. And uh, they scared them, but he, you know, the way he corrected them, had them all named and and he knew what their names was. And I asked him one time, hey, sold dogs. And he said, well, like you sell any other product, he said, he said, if you got an old bad dog, it's not worth much. He said, price him real high. He said, put him out there. That way you can sell a good dog. I said, how's that? And he said, well, you know, a good dog brings back in the way back in the 60s. He said, they bring $2,500. And he said, if I get a dog that ain't much, I'll tie him right, to put it right in front of the entrance of the pound. And said, they'll say, boy, that's a pretty thing. He said, I know it, but that's my dog. We're going to sell that now. That's not for sale. And they said, I show them some more dogs, but I always wind up right close to this pretty one. Oh, oh, Mr. Walker, whose dog is it? He said, it's my dog. I hunt with him. Well, he did, and he told the truth. And Jackie would say, look, over here's one here for $2,000. Here's one for 1500 And he'd wind up back over at the old pretty boy and said, well, how much would you take for him? He said, no, I don't want to sell him now. He's not for sale. And they said, 
Now, Mr. Walker, everything's for sale. Put a price tag on him. He said, okay, $2,500. And that's the one they'd buy. But look here, here was his back. Here was his guarantee. He said, I want to tell you, that's such a good dog. If you take him home and you don't like him, you bring him back and swap him for any dog in your well. He was the highest dog in there, see? You take him <laughs> home. So you take him home. If you don't suit, you bring him back. And you have any dog in your for him. I'll trade you. Well, if you had a $1,500 dog, you'd give, you'd give $2,500 for it. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's a good that's well, a dog trader, isn't it? Oh, he's a dog trader. There's no doubt about it. And there was a lot of them back in the day, David. You know, the magazines yeah. were full of that. And you don't oh. see that much anymore. In fact, you don't see those ads the way Cass yeah. did. I know that uh, uh, the fellow that I talked to there from that grew up in uh, Knoxville, uh, Jason Wood, and talked about that and all about the yeah. reading those ads of Cass's. But all across the, the coon hunting world, from uh, most coon hunting is done in this country from the states that border the Mississippi to the west, then come yeah. back east, okay? There's not a lot of coon hunting on farther west than that, but coon hunting has been extremely popular, uh, you know, all across yeah. the country. And Cass was a, he was a feature. Well, a lot of people, when they talk about Cass, they talk about the, uh, the videos they see on YouTube about him saying he's going to put the people that are snatching purses in his parking lot, he's going to put them yeah. in a hospital and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's fine. He, he was rough. He didn't, he didn't break no ice with anybody. Oh, he grew up in Kentucky, as I understand, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's where my grandparents on my mother's side came from. Uh, and there's there's funny stories. Did you do you ever tell you or do you hear about the story when he got his uh, finger bit off? Yeah, yeah, I'm driving him. We were going down the road. We were just going down the road. And back in those days in the 60s and early 70s, mid-70s, I looked through there, you didn't have cell phones. So when I drive, he would get in his car, and the office would hand him a stack of mail six inches high, and he'd look through his mail, and he'd read it to me. And I'd drive him, maybe we're going to Harlan or Hazard or Virginia or somewhere, and he'd say, uh, look here, this is what they've offered me for this. I mean, one time he said, they've offered me $70 million for this right here. And I said, sell it. Nope, I can't sell it. I said, how come? He said, and if you give the IRS $35 million of it, and I ain't going to give nobody that kind of money. I've worked that hard. And and only he said some choice words. But then <laughs> we'd, go on, we'd go on down the road, and I guess we just ran out of something to talk about. And he had that finger down. And he said, uh, I looked at him, and I said, Mr. Walker, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. We talked about everything. He, he I mean, he really told me about personal stuff, uh, how to do any business deal I want to do, he told me how to do it. And I, I think of the night before, what I want to talk about, but this particular day, I said, what happened that caused your finger turned down? He said, I got in a fight and the guy bit it off. And I said, did he bite it plumb off? He said, he bit it off and spit it out on the ground. And I said, he said, I grabbed it up right quick and put it in my coat pocket. And I took off to the hospital and they sewed it back on, but they couldn't do leaders. And I use it for my two for a quarter finger. 
two cans for a quarter. And I said, well, I said, well, what did you do to him? He said, I bit his ear off. I said, you bit his ear off? He said, yeah. I said, he died last year. And I said, he did. He said, I went to his funeral. I said, how come? He said, I wanted to see how much of his ear I got. And I said, I said, did you, he said, I said, how much did you get? And he said, a big chunk. And I said, well, what'd you do with his ear? Did you give it back to him? He said, no. I made sure he didn't get that ear. I chewed it up and spit it away somewhere else where he couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, that might be too bad to hire, but that's no, a true no, story. No, 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 that's fine. It's funny. And it's, uh, th that story is in the book, and you're right on it. According oh, to I, the he told me, he, he yeah, told me that the, one personally. Yeah, personally. yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it was a different time back then. You know, we like to say men yeah. were men, you know, and you settled things. You didn't go, uh, as a rule, you didn't go out and sh shooting people and all. You just settled it, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. well, listen, I want, I want you to, uh, Tell me a little bit about, uh, well, let's see, I wanted to, uh, there's so many stories. Oh, what do you know about the Digger O'Dell story? Well, the Digger O'Dell story was the guy came by and he was needing money. And he told, see, Mr. Walker, he, he went along with, oh, he loved promotions. He loves anything different. And, uh, we had a goose eating contest, and he had that down at my music barn. He showed me how to do it and all. He showed me how to do all kinds of stuff. But so, this guy said, I'll let Wait you bury me. Wait a minute. Me. A goose eating contest. A goose, goose eating contest. See, when I first opened up my show, <laughs> the big, when I made the auditorium big, I said, Mr. Walker, will you come out there and help me open it up? And he said, yeah. He said, no, we got to get a gimmick to get him in there. I said, you get this big goose. And get you a bunch of corn, put 50 in each cup, 50 grains of corn in each cup. And when they buy it, they have to say, this will make them buy a ticket. When you buy a ticket, you get to write down how many grains of corn you think the goose will eat. And if you guess it, if you guess it, you win. He give away $25 worth of groceries and somebody give away some furniture and somebody give away a shopping spree. Oh, it's a lot of money on it. Yeah. And it's way back there. And uh, <laughs> He said, now, you can give it, if you want to, you can give one item to whoever wins and let it start building, or you don't have to give them nothing next week. It just, it's just going to be more stuff on it. He said, you can do it any way you want to. And I said, well, let's, since it's the first night, let's just give it to first, second, third, closest ones. And he said, okay, that'd be good. So he told me, he said, you put this goose up now, don't feed him nothing for three days. <laughs> so he'll be really hungry. Well, I took him at his word, but you don't feed a chicken for about three days, they're about ready to die. <laughs> uh, and I brought that goose in there, and he was he was so weak, he couldn't always stand up. <laughs> and, and I gave him his, I put his corn down, and he just looked at it. <laughs> he went, he's too sick to eat. And I, I, I pitted him around a little bit, and, and he wouldn't eat no corn, so we had to do it the next week. Well, the next week, I, I got me another goose. Of course, he'd he come out of it. He'd come out of the kings. I got me another goose, and he said, I said, I knew then to put him up about, you know, 12 hours. Okay. You put him up about 12 hours, but he'll just he'll eat 50 grains of corn just as you feed him. His crawl swells straight out like a softball, and then he'll swallow it. And then what you do now, 
when you feed him that corn. Now, y'all listen you, when you have this goose eating contest. Now, listen okay. to this. Okay. <laughs> no, you okay, go now, ahead, David. Okay, you have to have a cup of water because he eats 50 grains of corn that's in his crawl. And he drinks two or three sips of water, and you can see his crawl just disappear. Looks like a gorger on his neck. You know, it just goes out. And then he'll eat 50 more. A goose will eat anywhere from 50 to three or 400 grains of corn. A big what? goose. Now, I'm talking about a great big goose. They yeah. were pets, and they're great big. Yeah. So, so the boy that put him up, he put him in there with the feed barrel and left the lid off, and the goose eat corn all week. I mean, all day, all that night and day, where they come in that night, and he said, no, I, and they guessed big numbers, 40, I mean, 50 and 300 and 200 and 150, and that goose just looked at that corn. He didn't want no corn. he just come out of the feed barrel, <laughs> and he finally choked down three grains. Of course, nobody won again. And Mr. Walker said, I believe we got a seventh day advantage goose goose because he just ain't gonna work on Saturday. <laughs> or he called it Sabbath, you know. But then after that we got it straightened out and uh, he started eating right and I had winners all the time. Uh, oh, I, I can show you where I give away a lot of money. It was just it was just a big thing. Now we get on Digger Odell. And he liked anything like that that he could do. So Digger come by and said, I'll uh that you bury me for so much a day, and and Mr. Walker Judy down to a little less, and so we did. Now wait a minute, but I got to tell my listeners now. This guy made a, uh, a a job of going around and being buried, right? Well, he needed he he come up the idea. He thought that they heard told him that Cass Walker would do anything, any kind of promotion he wanted to do, and he said, "I'll let somebody bury me for some money," and he's supposed <laughs> to stay in the ground thirty days. Huh. But, but he didn't make it. But what it was, <laughs> Mr. Walker said that he got in there, and I think he was paying him $100 a day. Mr. Walker said it was 75 I thought they settled on 100 but it could have been 75 a day. Of course, that's a lot of money back in, because that's way back around. I, mean, I went up there and looked at him, looked down in there with him. And so what he done when he did this, he uh, had him fixed in there, place had it some way he could use a bathroom they could get it out and uh, they could they could put his food down there to him they eat and he had a pipe run down so he could breathe well when the money got up to it was going to be I think it come out to $3,000 for a month maybe it's 30 days in that month it's $3,000 so he stayed in there 10 days I guess or something and he got up to $1,000, and he said that, he told me, he said his wife was wanting him to come home, said she had other things on the, on the plate, said she got missing him, she was wanting him to come home, I think what it was, and said, he told me he was, couldn't breathe good down there, and said, what I done, I went and had him put some stove pipes down in there so he could really breathe, and said, I looked at it, and I had him put a top over it and make a wishing well out of it. And said it took in ten days. It took in eleven hundred dollars, and I only paid him a thousand. <laughs> said I made a hundred dollars off him being in there. <laughs> and he said my store was just—they was lined up back in. He was open twenty-four hours a day. And he said that, oh, you talk about crowd. They had to line up to go around and look at him. It was a big thing. I, I, I remember when my daddy went over 
But anyhow, the doctor said, if he won't get out, and he said, I'm not going to let him out because he ain't sick. And said, I'll just hire a nurse. I'll hire a nurse to sit with him. 24 <laughs> hours, I'll hire nurses. Well, what Mr. Walker done is went and bought three nurse uniforms <laughs> and put them on him, put it on them cashiers and got him in stethoscopes put around their ears. And they worked around the clock. So he had three. He said, I took one from each shift. And she just sat out there and pranced around. She'd stick that thing down there and let him hold it on his heart and listen to his heart and shake her head and said, she was just a cashier. She didn't know, couldn't even know what she was listening to. And said, Oh, uh, my goodness. He finally got him. I think he kept him 10 days, I believe. And he had to dig him out because he got wanting to come out. He was. You said, I, I can't stay in there that long, but it's somewhere along yet. I, I thought the great part about that story was when he was ready to get out and Cass said, uh-uh, you're all right. We're going to leave you in there a while longer. Yeah, he, told, yeah, he said, you're going to stay in there until he went and got them nurses to stay with him around the clock. And, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a character. Dear well, old dear. Yeah, I went and saw him. I remember him. Yeah. Well, now, Cass, as much fun as we've had telling the funny side of Cass and all, he really was a successful politician and ran the city of Knoxville, which is no small town. And um, he he was quite successful and and was actually uh, a, a very popular candidate, at least uh, yeah. among the— really, Yeah. Really the forerunner of Walmart, I'll say. I know the guy that worked, it was a big good friend of Mr. Walker's. He, he put the computers in Walmart, and he said, Mr. Walton is so much like Mr. Walker. He said, I just almost feel like I'm working for Mr. Walker when I work for Mr. That? Sam Walton. And uh, yeah. he was just, he was so smart of a man. He, he And here's something he taught me. When I first started driving for him, he said, David, never get nobody by the coattail and try to pull them back. He said, run beside of them, steal every good trick they got and put them in your sack of tricks and you'll have more tricks. He said, don't don't try to pull them back because if you pull them back, it's the wrong direction and you'll wind up number two man. You never will be number one because mm-hmm. when they, when you get at the end of the line, you still got the coattail. Mm-hmm. And then another time he said, listen, don't, don't think it, it, I'm Cass Walker. I he said, I am not Cass Walker. I work for Cass Walker. Cass Walker is a name of a company. And I work for Cass Walker, David, just like you do. He said, because if I don't give me a salary and work just like you do, I'll probably go busted. He said, so, and I know when we drove to these stores and things, he had big old, they, they really cooked in his stores, like potato cakes and mashed potatoes and beans. They really cooked them. And uh, he'd just walk up to, we'd get our plates, go through the line, get our plates, and say, yeah, how much is both of them? I'm going to pay for David's. He's driving for me. And he would pay for, if he even got a cold drink, he paid for it. I mean, he said, he said, it's got to be run like a business. It's going to be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He talked well, so he much knew, about making and- yeah, and that there are so many parallels there to the to the guy that I worked for as a kid. You know, I worked uh, twelve yeah. hour shifts uh, 
from nine to nine on Saturdays for a dollar an hour. That was minimum wage at that time. And of course, you know, I didn't, uh, that was fine. I was glad to get that dollar, you know, because, uh, yeah, because I had a, I think my parents there off and on, they'd give me 50 cents a week. Maybe they called it my allowance. And that was enough for me to go roller skating on Friday night. But, but uh, yeah, but that learning that work ethic as he obviously did now, he started out. Did he start there in Knoxville? Or was his first store there? Or do you know? Yeah, I think his first store was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, quite quite the interesting fellow. And now you were on uh, that TV show that you were on with Cass. That was that on Channel Ten. Channel Ten BR. In fact, uh-huh. he owned a station at one time. <laughs> the station started in Knoxville and it went under. He couldn't mm-hmm. make it, and the Congress, the congressman, and got to him and said, "Mr. Walker, you're going to have to close that station down." Okay, when Mr. Walker said that's the last thing I need is a TV station, they asked him, "Would would he take it over and run it?" He said, uh, "So they won't lose it." And he said, "Someday t- television just wasn't very strong right ran here at that time. We had ATE, and it just wasn't strong enough for two big major stations." NBC mm-hmm. and and CBS, it wasn't strong enough for both of them. Yeah. But anyhow, the reason he chose 10, because it went to Virginia and Kentucky better than 6. 6 went a different direction. I see. And his stores was in Virginia and Kentucky, and he needed somebody that he needed to be on a television that went that way. So he said he paid for the light bill. The light bill was ridiculous for one to two years. I believe it was two years or part of maybe almost two years. And then he made told him that he wanted to be on it. Well, see, he didn't have to pay because the sponsors, he said, I'll get sponsors enough to pay for me, and that would really help you. So he got, of course, Kern's Bread and Jeff G. Coffee and Wolf Dairy Milk, and he had several of them that sponsored him. Right. And uh, they paid for his time, and then he charged uh, – I mean, I think back when I was on there, there's like it was a, I believe it was sixty dollars a minute. That's what a spot cost back in. But it mm-hmm. was uh, maybe the first time or second time when I forgot which. But it was a hot station when CBS was when it mm-hmm. after you know after it stayed on to it, it got up where we could make enough money to pay for its way. But yeah, well, typically, but, uh, uh, oh. I, I'm going to ask you this. What was a typical show like, one of the Farm and Home Hour shows? What What was it? How long was it? 15 minutes? It was minutes? an hour and a half. Oh, it was, it was an uh, hour and a half. Wow. Yeah, you started it. Television went off at 12 o'clock at night. Right. And, you know, moments in the story of Jesus, and they saluted the flag, and then he came back on. <laughs> We'd get there about 5.30, about just Maybe 20 after five, we'd get in there and they'd put them stripes and had to, had to line the thing up to get it on the air some way. You'd have that red, white, and blue and all that stripes. <laughs> and you sit there and watch all that sitting up. Oh, yeah. Test pattern. Then they'd they come to us and it was so hot under those lights. They, they were 1,500 watt, 2,000 watt bulbs. We had them suits on, ties. You could feel water running down your back, mm. even in cold weather. But anyhow, then we'd do pick up the morning paper, we'd hit the street, we'd sing it, and we'd come on and Mr. Walker would talk, 
and nobody had a program, and he'd just look over and say, uh, I, I want David and the banjo tune next because he loved the banjo. Mm. And and we'd have, I'd have to play a banjo tune, or he'd say, get that girl back up here and sing. She's pretty good. And we get her up. And it's just one thing to <laughs> Just that. off but, the cuff uh, like that, yeah. Oh, yeah, and when he said, get you up, get up there, David, and get ready to pick, while he's getting ready, I was already ready. But he said, while he's getting ready, I want to tell us about this dog man I've got lost. Well, he may talk it all the way into a commercial, and you didn't even get to pick. And he'd say, <laughs> uh, I've got a dog I was at Crossville hunting, and somebody stole my dog, I know, because he didn't come to the car for me to bring him home. And if you don't find that dog, if you don't call me up and give it to me, I'm going to turn you in because I saw some of this funny weed growing down there. <laughs> and uh, before we get off the air, they'd be trying to buy him dogs. Hey, Mr. Walker, don't tell them where that's at. I'll, I'll buy you a dog. Well, they'd find his dog for him. And, I mean, he, he'd do all kinds of stuff like that. And and uh, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd, he'd get those things he wanted, but then he'd do a commercial he would get, go over and talk about dogs and fighting and beating people up on the parking lot. And it's a commercial time because every so often you had to do commercials to get all them commercials in. And when they did, then the FCC sometimes would watch and they'd get upset. They said, he, you can't do that. That's not a talk show. It's listed as a country music show. Said, what he's doing, said, between him talking them commercials, you ain't played but one song or two in a whole hour and a half. Said, now, that's not. So they'd ball, they'd ball the TV station out of FCC would. Uh, well, the FCC, the TV station would come in there and say, Mr. Walker, <laughs> they say, Mr. Walker, you're going to have to get more songs on here because the FCC's on our butts for it. He'd say, he'd turn right around to us and say, you all want to play more music. <laughs> we're going to play more music, but we couldn't play it wouldn't put us on. And we'd say, I've been on there when you do for the Iron Ape, you do two theme songs, about, about 30 oh, seconds coming on, 30 seconds going on, yeah. maybe one song for the whole show. He was the show, wasn't he? <laughs> he was the show, and he's wound up sometimes. If he was into politics or a lost dog, I just I, I read the story about how he was uh, going through all of the specials he had this week at the store, yeah. and there was a can of oil or something there. Do you remember that story? There's a story in the book, anyway. I just briefly, he was going down the line. Here's a pound of coffee for so much. Here's a can of pork and beans for so Uh, much. And then he picked this can of oil up somebody left sitting there on the thing. And he said, well, here's this so-and-so kind of oil. We'll sell that for (laughs) And he put a price on it and went right on down the line. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he 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 was the master of improv, I guess. He just uh, he just whatever came to mind, there he went. And, and he he sold them kazoo's, you know them, you know what they are. Oh don't yeah, uh huh, sure. He sold a five and I still got one I bought from him. I believe it was a quarter back that day. He had somebody could really play them, and I thought that was a hot item. Yeah, he could sell. This boy came to him one day, and he had ledges. On his front windows, he had ledges where you could sit there. A lot of mm-hmm. people sit there and eat a sandwich or drink coffee or something on the ledge of that window. And he was sitting there one day resting. And this fellow came in and he said, Miss Walker, said, I got back scratchers. He said, Boy, these are a really good thing. And it was pretty and they did work good. And 
Mr. Walker said, do you think I can sell on David? I said, Mr. Walker, you could sell anything that you wanted to. And he said, well, how many of you got? I said, I'd probably need about three or 400 to start with. And that guy said, I ain't got a, a dozen. He said, what? A dozen? Well, I can't buy nothing for a dozen. He said, it wouldn't be worthwhile fooling with. He said, if you get that three or 400 of them, call me up and we'll work out a deal on it. He said, <laughs> the guy yeah. just walked off. Another thing, one day he had watermelons. He selling, you know, cheapest in town. That guy come in with that tractor and trailer. He, had, I don't know, he said he didn't know how many tractor and trailers he owned. But the guy come in with tractor and trailer, and he said, Mr. Walker said, I, I ain't going to unload them watermelons. He said, I saw a diamondback rattler on them things down there in Georgia. So it's right up in that truck, that big old rattler driving truck. So I know he's still in there. And Mr. Walker got on the walkie-talkie in there in the store, and he said, give me somebody out here to unload these watermelons. I said, there's a church snake laying up here on them. Just be careful. Don't get bit a church snake. Now, I've been snake handlers. He says a church snake. He won't hurt you, I don't think. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What a guy. He had a comeback oh, for everything, I think, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, you know, Mr. West, we've talked here almost an hour, and it's been delightful. And I know that I've probably taken you away from your dinner and everything else. I hear the roosters crowing. Yeah, One would yeah, think, think that it would be early morning when we're doing this, but it's, yeah, it's, it's here. It's 530 in the evening. Yeah. 530 in my time. And <laughs> what it is, I've got him trained. This guy gave him to me last week, and I holler. And usually, when he hears, hears my voice, he starts crowing. He knows I'm around here somewhere. Yeah. Well, let's and, talk real. Oh, are you, are you, he hears your voice and he crows, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I'm teaching him that. Go uh, ahead. I yeah. got you. Well, now about your your store and your music personally. When did you start playing the banjo? Well, uh, it was because of Cas Walker, I guess. I was 16-year-old, and Don Gibson was coming down and drank. I was 13 when he started drinking cider. He, he played at a club right above me up there, Jerry Lee Lewis, and everybody, and Don would come down. and I'd watch the Cass Walker show and listen to it on the radio, and I said, boy, I love to hear those people pick. And I got me a harmonica and learned to play a little bit, and I got thinking, boy, if I sit on cider and stuff, I got thinking, boy, if I could play music. Or if mm -hmm. I had me a bunch of good musicians, that'd be a good way to promote my business. Right. Well, I couldn't afford no musicians. I thought, well, shoot, I just learned to play. And yeah. so I played the guitar a little while, and then I heard this guy, uh, the Con Hunley's uncles was mm -hmm. old. They had a band was outside. And they showed me, one of them showed me how to pick a banjo a little bit. And I was sending floors, and I said, now, I ain't never going to play for a living, but I'll play enough to get people in my store. Well, I was making, minimum wage was a dollar and a quarter, and I was making two dollars an hour. And this guy heard me playing in Gatlinburg, and he said, if you'll come up here and play for us, he lived right below Don Gibson. He said, if you'll come up here and play for me, he said, I'll give you $20 to play an hour every night. Wow. He said, he said and if they want extra, it's costing $30 a piece. He said, if he says, well, I need a little more, I said, you stay there. And that's just a half, you know. And so he said, if you want to, if we go another hour, we'll pay, get another $10. So I went up there and played, and that 
done it. I went back and told my boss, I said, I'm not going to do no more floor setting after this week. I'm going to start playing music. And that was 1964. I quit my job and started playing for wow. the biggest part of my living. And then I built a music barn in 66, August the 20th. And then uh, by 67, I believe, I went with my little buster. And that was a big, that was like 28 states. That was a big show. Oh, yeah. On Saturday, on Saturday you had Porter Wagner, Wilburn Brothers, and the Jim Walter Home Show, which was Ron and Buster. Right, right. Yeah, Jim and Walter then, uh, Holmes was a big thing yeah, no, in, in that yeah. area. Yeah, up yeah. in West Virginia, where I came from, they were big up that way, too. Yeah. Yeah, boy, he, he was a rich guy. He had 28 states of television. That's about what Porter had in Wilburn at that time. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the stuff that I cut my teeth on. I, I can play a radio is about it. I do play a little uh, little rhythm guitar uh, with guys, but I, I'm just, you know, not really a musician, but I've always loved, loved, loved that that type of music and and uh, being my dad being from Tennessee and you're from such a rich area there with so many, uh, yeah. you know, uh Stars that came from that area. Uh, oh yeah, well, Kenny now, Chesney. We worked with Kenny. I worked for Roy Cuff, uh, Con Hunley. I was with Con two week two Saturdays ago. Not this past Saturday, but Saturday before that. I, I didn't Kenny know he, he was started. still around. Yeah. Oh yeah, Con's still performing. And uh, Roy, I worked some with him. Uh, so many people I worked with. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chet's been to my store. I've run. I mean, at my barn dinner, and I've done sound for him. And now, how did you get the Ciderville name? Had I get the name? The name for for your barn, yeah. It's, it's fellow moved, moved here in nineteen fifty five. He had an art shop. I went to work for Mister Epson, and when he did, he had a big art shop that he had built. It's only it's like a house trailer, but it's an art shop. He moved it here and started doing artwork, and he went up Mr. Walker and got all of his uh, windows to do cartoons and, our, and all the uh, ice cream cones and stuff like that. And yeah, when he did, yeah. why, he said, I've got to have something for my wife to do, and he started making cider. Said she could sell cider during the day, which he bought a cider, big old cider meal, and they put it on the electric motor, and... We made uh, gobs, right. truckloads of ciders, cider, yeah. cider, cider. And then <laughs> after I got doing that, why, you know, I just thought, well, shoot, this all just be in business. And so then I done that up till I got my musical job. I see. Now, your store to, is, you sell musical instruments there, right? Yeah. All right. Tell us a little bit about your store, what you got in there. Well, my store, see, it started out as selling cider. When that guy moved out, I bought him out, and he let me have it, and I was 16-year-old then. And then I loved music, and I started trading on instruments, and I got hooked in with Joe Morrell Music, which is, was a big, he had several stores at the time. And when he did, well, I, I told him I always wanted to get in, in music business, and he let put me on consignment to sell for him and give me half a profit. And, oh, man, I started knocking down some bucks. And I thought I was really going wee-wee with that. 
And so I just kept on for long to, I just started getting into store business so much. See, I was getting two checks from Bonnie Lynn Buster, but I had to give my sister Faye one to run the store. I kept my road check, and she got my TV check to work for me because it was wouldn't pay its way. And then it just, from there, it just went on big, big, big. To I invented, I went to these big variety stores like like Super X and AJ Variety Stores and and big drug stores and stuff like that. I'd go in there and they'd let me put a cabinet in. It helped 75 different things. You know, all kinds of tuners and strings and picks and capos and extra cords and straps. I, I put that in, and then they started selling so much, we started putting in drums and guitars and stuff, so we had 60 stores like that. And Karen, she had to run route for me all the time. And it just started getting bigger and bigger, so I got yeah. it and sold it out. About I see. In the 90s, I guess, 95 or 7 or somewhere there. So. Well, I want to ask you about something that my listeners will remember from Cass's uh, ads. But before I do that, I want to ask you, do you remember anything about the dog dipping day? About what now? Dog dipping day. Does that ring a bell to you? No, I can't understand what you're talking Okay. About. Dipping dogs. In uh, Okay, let me read this for you. Okay. said the promotion, this is from the book, Cass Walker by uh, Jonathan Hodge. And I'll read this real quick. But the promotion that brought the biggest laugh from both the audience and the councilman himself was Dog Dipping Day, held at oh, his yeah, Pennington yeah, yeah, Gap, yeah, yeah, Virginia yeah, yeah. State. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, I remember that real well. Okay, yeah. tell us yeah, what you had, remember about. He started having it on my festivals. <clears throat> I'd have a bluegrass festival, and I'd get Mr. Walker to come, and he'd have a, he'd bring this big old barrel of a thing container and they'd take and he's gonna dip your dogs free, compliments of the Caswalker supermarkets and and uh <laughs> and he had it all over his supermarkets. You just you dipped them for fleas and ticks. You got rid of right. all the fleas and ticks and yeah. And it didn't cost you nothing. So here you'd come out and dip your dog for nothing and he had something but see also on Superderm Safe Company. He was into medical just a little bit. I own it now. I, I, give, I still sell super dumb Well, stuff. that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. But I want to real quick before we leave this about this dog dipping. This was amazing to me. Uh, they said that this was at the, at the Pennington Gap, Virginia store. Yeah. And they said that they advertised, it said this is the same dip that Cass Walker dips his own coon dogs in. So they gave yeah. away a free $2 dip with every $10 grocery order. Yeah. And he said the amazing thing was they dipped 737 dogs in two days, and the business picked up $20,000 that weekend. Yeah. Dipping yeah. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. pretty amazing. That's like Digger Odell. It was Tuesday. <laughs> It went, I forget how many thousand dollars a day. Yeah. He had people lined up. What a genius. <laughs> he stuff like that to bring people in, see? Yeah. And, uh, well, my see, listeners will remember the Superderm Saf because yeah. Cass would run ads in full 
Cry magazine about that. Tell yeah. us about that a little bit, if you would. With Superdome Safety, he had a, he said it was colon cancer real bad. Now, I wasn't working with him at that time, but I remember him talking about it on TV. He had colon cancer, and they, it was bad. They didn't think he was going to pull through it. And his wife was somewhere, and she found this stuff called Magiderm. Magiderm. And she bought a bottle of it and brought it home. It's a jar. It's, a, it's a, like an ointment that you rub on. And he rubbed it on his, uh, on his wounds and stuff, and it healed them. And when it did, he went and bought the company and changed it to Superderm because it was so stout. He didn't want them to think it was a magic thing. He wanted to tell them it was for real. It was super, yeah. Superderm. He changed it to Superderm instead of Magiderm. And he got to be a real big company, real big. And listen, I don't know if it was him or the faith he had in it. He had a knot came up on his head, up on his forehead, half the size of a pencil racer. Ordinary pencil racer, like you took school with you. Mm-hmm. It was half that size. And mm-hmm. he said, I want, he called us musicians. He said, tell my boys to come over here. And I was the first one there over. He's sitting in his big armchair doing television. He says, I want all you people out there in TV land, watch me. I have in my hand a jar of super, super derm. I'm going to rub it on this knot right here. I don't know what it is. I'm not checked or nothing. But you can see it. I'm going to put this on it for 10 days, and it's going to be gone. And you can watch it go leave every day. And he sure did that. And I watched it for 10 days, and the 10th day, it just started getting littler and littler and littler and littler, and it just went away. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe, I mean, he believed in it so strong. He used it for everything. If he got a sunburn, he Mm -hmm. put it on it. And I sold it. They even made a sunburn lotion out of it, too. And I started, uh, I use it and sell it, too. I have people buy bunches of it now. It's, we still sell it at the store. Well, and I didn't realize you could still get it. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We still got it. And on WYSH, they're running commercials. They, we got a. You call the Cass Walker store online. You can get online through the Cass Walker store. I see. I and see. We own that too. And the t shirts and anything that's got his name on it. I hear a lot of people out there bootlegging it occasionally, but I don't worry about it too much. But if it's got the Cass Walker label on it, it's supposed to go through me because he gave me Tennessee, as it comes under Tennessee Valley Advertisement Agency. He gave me that. We only that boy he passed away, and uh, so it. Uh, you know, if we want to make uh, hats and shirts and oh yeah, anything, you own anything. Right anything stuff. I make with yeah. the Cass Walker logo, yeah. it's mine. Sure. Well, Cass Walker certainly was a legend in our sport, and uh, being able to get this up close and personal look at Cass's life from a, one of his closest friends has been just uh, over the top good for me. And I know my listeners have really enjoyed our time together today, David. I can't say enough uh, 
and thanks to you for coming on with me. I know even at your age, you're still a very busy man, and uh, I certainly wish you the best going forward. Do you think maybe sometime in the future we can visit again? Because I know oh, yeah, you've got a lot where, more. Where are you located? Okay, I'm actually located. Our studio here is in on the west coast of Florida. But Florida, I travel okay. up through that way quite often. Well, you got to come see us because we have absolutely. a uh, we have a book, Mister Walker, life history book, my life history. You need to get that one. That is a good one. It's online. You can get it through the Cash Walker store. I'll get it. You can get it through Satterville. And then he wrote to the one, the White Caps and the Bluebills. Oh man, that's a book. That's when they had to take the town over to Sevierville. Okay. The white caps and the bluebills. You'll want that. All but right, that folks. You... Walker, my life history. He wrote it himself, and okay. I know the I know the one you're talking about. You got because I played for that guy that when he put it out. Right, but now you're this. saying Cass's book that he wrote is called My Life History. My Life Life History by Cass Walker. Yeah, you can get it. You can order it from Siderville, or you can just look on the uh, online on the Cass Walker store. We still do pick up the morning paper on it. Okay. And, and they do a lot of ads on it, but, oh, they sell that stuff online like crazy. All right. Well, I'll see if I can find that. Is there that, a now, that's got, that's got him telling the stories yourself. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, you'll love it. Absolutely. Well, can we get a little sound clip of that uh, morning paper uh, tune that you guys did for the podcast, or is that – Something we'll yeah. have to get uh, rights to. Yeah. Oh, you mean I can? We could do it for you, but I ain't got no band here. Or yeah. Something. Well, we may need. Pick, we'll uh, pick up the morning paper in his street. Cash Walker's prices can't be beat. <laughs> Buy that blue band of coffee, and you want some more. Do your grocery shopping at a Cash Walker store, and then you say, "Say that again." Let's say it. Do your grocery shopping at a Cash Walker store. We we just did a show Thursday. For the veterans, oh, I believe God it, no, it was Friday. It was Friday for the veterans, and that's what they wanted us to do, the Cass Walker theme song. That's awesome. I'm going to see if I can and, find – can I find the soundtrack of that online? Yeah, yeah. Dolly's got it on her CDs. Okay. Well, good, good. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to look that up. Well, David, it's been an absolute joy to visit with you today, and we'll wrap this one up for, for this time, but – We'll sure get back with you and uh, just wish okay. you the best going forward. And and uh, you're on a radio show still once a week, aren't you, there in Knoxville? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's called WYSHTV.com, I believe is where it's listed. But it's on uh, it's worldwide and it's on two TV stations and I believe three or four radio stations. And the name of that show again is? WYSH. W-Y-S-H is the station. Yeah, Wish, Wish Radio, but, and I think it's TV. It may be Channel 10, Channel 12, BBB. Try this, too. Channel 12, BBB Television. Okay, and the uh, name uh, of the uh, show is what? It's uh, Stars and Stories of the Gaz Walker Show. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. You, Let, you can get it somewhere on there, but you can just look it up and... Find it on there and watch it too. Yeah, well, I'll and certainly get a lot of Cass Walker stuff. And I was there with him when he was talking about beating them people up on the parking lot, putting them in the hospital, and <laughs> you hear that's us a laughing classic. in the background. That's you a see cl- us. Uh, yeah, 
All right. Well, we'll look for that. Well, David West, a real joy to have you on our program today, sir. It, it was a genuine pleasure to talk about your friend and legend, Cass Walker, friends. That's going to do it for the Gone to the Dogs podcast for this week. We hope that you will continue to support uh, W Hunting Supply. Uh, they are our sponsors that keep this thing on the on the uh, internet each week at dusupply.com. And uh, we'll catch you down the road. Special thanks to Jason Wood for sharing his boyhood memories of Kaz Walker. I hope that you've enjoyed this tribute to a true legend in coon hunting.